I want to thank God, thank the Lord, and uh, thank our pastor for this opportunity that he gives me to voice the Word of God and to preach. I want to thank our co-pastor also in the ministerial body that it gives me the opportunity to preach the Word of God. And uh, without uh, taking much time, I want to go ahead. If you have your Bible, Bibles with you, can you open up to Romans 3, 21 through 26? I was preaching in a Spanish service, and um, I was asking the Lord, Lord, give me, a, give me understanding, give me wisdom. So when I do the English service, that the word may flow from my mouth. Uh, Brother Villegas has a very un unique gift that uh, he can uh, translate in English and Spanish very fluently. And uh, I recognize that that's a gift and not all of us have it. Not all of us, uh, we long for it, but we don't have it, you know, but we have other gifts, you know, we have other things that we do, and uh, thank God that uh, he gives us as he sees. Amen. Let's, let us uh, go ahead and, uh, I'm going to go ahead and read from the screen since I have a, a, another version, and it says here, but now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I want you to remember this verse. Go back. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay? Let us remember that verse. Next one. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as the propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance. God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of one who has faith in Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. And as you sit down, go ahead and close your eyes. And we're going to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you, Lord, that you preach to this congregation, Lord. Let my mouth, Lord, speak of your word, speak of your message, Lord. Help us understand it, God, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. I want to speak under the topic, man's greatest need. What is man? And when I say man, I'm not re just referring to man itself, but to men and women. What is the greatest need that man has? What is the greatest need, if you ask yourself? You know, is it intellectual? Is it money? Is it having a job? Is it having a house? Is it uh, having a family? Man's greatest needs? Is it having a car? Is it being fit physically? Is it food or, you know, what we drink? Is it oxygen? Because all of these things are important for us, for man. But what 
does God consider important for man? Or what does God consider the greatest need for mankind? That's the question that we ask today. What is, what is it that God considers that it's our greatest need? Because there's many people that have all these things. They have knowledge. They're physically fit. They have money. They have a good job. They have big houses. They have beautiful families. They have nice cars. They have food and drink. And obviously we, they have oxygen. But why is it that many people feel there's a void inside of their hearts? Why do many people feel that they are incomplete? Why do many people feel that uh, they have to go to places, they have to do things in order to feel complete? What is it that man feels? We ask the question, what is it that I need? I'm pretty sure that... Uh, Many of you have felt this way before. Many people have asked themselves, what is my purpose in this life? Why am I here in this world? I used to ask myself when I was growing up as a teenager. I felt sometimes left out. I felt like nobody cared about me. And we ask ourselves, and deep down in man and in the woman's heart, there's this deep void sometimes that we ask ourselves, what is it that I need? What is it? And as you're with your neighbor, ask him, what can make you complete? Ask him. Tim Kimball said, the greatest need for man cannot be knowledge because then God would have sent an educator. The greatest need for man couldn't be uh, physically, being physically fit because God could have uh, sent a doctor. The greatest need for man is not money because then he would have uh, brought a businessman the greatest need for man is not enthusiasm because then he would bring many artists. But the most greatest need of mankind, it's something invisible. It's something that you cannot see. It's something that you can only experience through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. The greatest need is salvation. And how do we obtain salvation? It's through the forgiveness of sin. Some uh, psychologists, they have uh, said, there's uh, four things you can do in order to fulfill your void inside your heart. This is what educators Psychologists have said, you have to search deep down inside your heart, inside your feelings, and pinpoint that one thing that you have felt or your environment around you when you were growing up, what happened to you. And you have to address that problem with that person or with that thing. That's one of the ways that you're going to fill that need, that void. Number two, they said, you have to let yourself express your emotion, either by singing, crying, doing paintings, or playing an instrument, and that will fill your void inside your heart. The third one, they said, 
You have to promise yourself to love yourself under any circumstance. You have to love yourself in order to fulfill that void. Okay, these are psychologists. Number four, it says you have to get involved in many activities that make you happy. You can get involved in sports, get involved in, uh, in your own hobby. You get involved in your work. If that makes you happy, if that fills your void, that's going to fill your void. That's what secularism tells you. That's what educators tell you. But let me tell you something. I'm going to ask you to go through Ecclesiastics 3.11. I want to tell you what God has put in man's heart. Ecclesiastes, he has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put what? Eternity in their hearts. Except that one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So what has he put in our hearts? He has put eternity. It's called your soul. When, because your soul will last forever. And when your soul feels a void, when your heart feels that void, you want to fill that void with many things. Many people go and play the sports in hopes that that would fill their voids. Many people work themselves to death in hopes to fill that void. I know people that work so hard earning money and then spend their money because their health fell apart. Many people search in sports, in hobbies, in work. They try to become artists, they sing, they play instruments, but they still cannot fill that void inside the heart because that void was designed for one thing only. That void was designed to be filled with the love of Jesus Christ. That void was meant to be filled with the salvation, with the knowledge that we, will, we know that we are going to heaven because we are going, because we are eternal beings, not our flesh, but our soul. And that's why many people have felt that there's something that they need. Many people have felt that they're not complete. This tells us that many people come and they fill a void because they are not sure where will they spend eternity. Many people will grow restless. Many people will go down a path and try to do crazy things. Many people have thrown themselves from cliffs into the water until, so, so they can feel that thrill. They want to feel something. Have you ever seen them? Many people will jump out of planes for thrills and so on. There's a lot of people that do crazy things. Many people will fly with the, the cars, daredevils. But there's some, because there's something they want to accomplish. And every time that they go through that, that one thing that they do it, and then the void is still there. And they want to go even more. They jumped uh, like 250 feet with the car, and, and they accomplished that. And now they want to go like 350 feet. And it keeps going. They keep wanting to break records 
because there's still the void. It's in there. It's in the heart. Hey, and, and it cannot be filled until you get filled with the Holy Ghost and the salvation that Jesus Christ provides. That's the only way that the void is going to go away. See, that void that we need or that void that needs to be filled, it's only filled with salvation. And that's why many people feel that they're not complete because they, they are searching in the wrong places. They are searching in places where it's not, it's not sometimes it's not healthy for them. They look for it in bars. They look for it in nightclubs. They look for it in sex. They look for it in, in everything. But it doesn't fill that void. It doesn't. I was thinking of the, the woman at the well. Have you guys heard of the story? When Jesus came to the well... And uh, he told her her past. And uh, she said, well, tell me more. And she says, well, go bring your husband. And she told him, well, I have no husband. And Jesus told her, you have said the truth. Because six husbands you have, you have been with, or six men you have been with, and the one you're with is not your husband that was number six. Amen? And what is it that people want? And I'm not just talking about women. It's on guys. Many guys go to nightclubs. They go to bars. They want to fulfill a void that's inside, but it won't never quench. Because it wasn't meant to be fulfilled physically. It wasn't meant to be fulfilled materially. It was only meant to be fulfilled spiritually. And that's what we need to acknowledge. That's what we need to know. That salvation, knowing that we are saved. Saved from what? From the wrath of God. It's the only way that we are going to have peace with ourselves. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Who's all? All. There's nobody that's innocent. There's nobody that haven't sinned. Everybody has sinned. We all have sinned, either through, through our, with our hands, either through with our, with our eyes, either through with our ears, with anything, we have sinned. And Romans 6.23 says that what is the price for sinning? Or what, what is the, for all the wages of sin is what? But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. So what is it that we need? What is it? According to God, man's greatest need is not physical. According to God, man's greatest need is not material. According to God, man's greatest need, it's spiritual. It's salvation. Hallelujah. It's being saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. The word salvation, it means preservation, protection, security. The word salvation also reference the liberation of a person or group of people in a situation or in a danger that they cannot help themselves of. That is salvation. But if you ask Preacher, what are, what are we going to be saved from? What is it that we're being saved from? Is there something that we need to be saved? Yes. 
It's the wrath of God. The wrath of God will come. I want you to turn to me to, to your Bibles, Romans 1, 18, 19. For the wrath of God is revealed from the heavens against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. That means that God has manifested to man, but man hasn't acknowledged God. They acknowledge the creation. They worship the creation. They worship everything that they see, but they will not worship the creator. And that's what the wrath of God comes. How would you feel, Brother Villegas, how would you feel if uh, your little daughter, you love her a lot, you, you, you have her in your house, how would you feel that when she felt hungry, she would ask your neighbor for food? Jealous? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's sometimes how God feels. A little bit of jealous. It's not the, the, the bad jealous. It's the zeal. Amen. That knowing that there's a creator in this earth, knowing that he had created everything, we go up to the creation and ask for our needs instead of our creator. Because man wants to fill the void with material things. Man wants to fill the void with physical things, but not with spiritual things, for he is a spiritual God. Let us, let's go to Romans 5, 9. It says, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from what? From, from the wrath of God. What is it with this wrath? What kind of, what kind of God is he? Well, he's not a God that, he's a killjoy. He's a God that loves you so much that he created you in his image. And when his creation goes in other ways, see, we're going to see something about the wrath of God and what it is meant to. Now, because of the wrath of God, he has also provided a way out. He has also provided himself the way out of the wrath of God. Let us go to Ephesians 5, 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. There's many things that we learn in the Bible. There's many things that are said. There's many things that we hear. Then there's many people that deceive other people. And the Bible says, let no one deceive you with empty words. What kind of words? Words that don't have meaning. Words that don't have anything to do with God. Words that don't have anything to do with the spiritual, hallelujah, only have something to do with the material and with the physical. Oh, believe in yourself, and, and you will be all right. Whatever your heart leads you, you will be all right. Oh, yeah? What does Jeremiah says about the heart? Jeremiah says about the heart that it's wicked. And it's, it's more perverse than all the things. And many people say, follow your heart. Follow your heart. But let me tell you, your heart is very wicked. Because 
your heart, it's material. It looks upon the material things, the physical things, but it doesn't look upon the, phys- uh, the spiritual things. Amen? Dishonest words, words that offend people. Many people have hurt other people by the words. Is it, an, is it interesting that many people hurt the people they love with words? How many of you guys done that? Yeah. To the persons or the people that we most love is the one that we hurt with words. Let's go to Colossians 3, 5, 6. It says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passions, evil desire, and covetousness, which is adultery. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Because of these, the wrath of God comes to the sons of disobedience. When there's fornication, when there's impure, when, when, when there's covetousness, and there's uh, passions in, in disorderly conduct, and, and there's a there's, there's idolatry. That's when the wrath of God comes. And that's when the wrath of God manifests themselves. See, many people say that nothing is going to happen. You are just going to die. And uh, when you die, your body is going to disintegrate. And uh, you're going to be eaten by worms. Hmm? That's what they say. And that's very true, isn't it? Your body deteriorates, decomposes, and uh, your, your body it's, uh, uh, turns into these little worms. And they eat each other until your body is totally, totally gone. I, I, I was I was saying that in a, in a in a small group. I was teaching a small group. I go, yeah, I go. The worms are gonna have a feast with my body. <laughs> They're gonna say, well, let's go to the buffet. <laughs> but see, many people say, well, once you die, that's it. There's nothing else. So you might as well enjoy life. So you might as well just just live up your life. Not knowing that God has put eternity in man's heart. That one day we will be in front of that creator. And we will be given an account of whatever we did in this life. One day... We will be in front of our creator and he will check the books. See if our name is in the book of life. One day. Many people ignore that. Many people say it's not true. Many people say you have been preaching that since 40 years ago since I've been alive. But see, the day is coming. A lot of people are saying something is about to happen. Something is about to happen. And I know that one day, that one day Jesus will come in the clouds. And I know that one day he will take up his church. And I know that one day he will lift us up and we will be with him. Let us go to Revelation 6, 17. I just want to just touch a little bit of that. Revelation 6, 17. For the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? See, one day, the wrath of God will come, and nobody will be able, able to stand. 
Many people that don't make it to the rapture are going to say to the rocks, fall upon us, kill me, because I don't want to face the wrath of God. I don't want to face his wrath. But not even the rocks will fall upon them. In Revelation 14, 14, God will demonstrate his wrath in the battle of Armageddon. And they looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat like a son of man, having on his face a head of golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. And another angel came out of the temple crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he sat on the cloud, thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel came out of the temple which is in heaven and he also having a sharp sickle and another angel came out in an altar who had power over fire and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle saying thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for her grapes are fully ripe and the angel thrust the sickle into the earth and gathered into the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. You know what's that saying? The valley of Megiddo, when we went to Israel, it's, it's very big. It's like miles and miles. And that's when the nations are going to come to make war with Israel. And see, there's going to be so many people making war that the blood of the people is going to rise up to, to, the, to the head or to, to the bridle of the, of the horse. That's how much blood it's going to be. And it's not because of God wants to, to do this to them. It's because they come to destroy God's people. And the wrath of God destroys those armies. And many people say it's not going to be true. We saw it. Right, Sister Christina? We saw it. Whoever went to Israel. Anybody went to Israel? We saw it. Amen. And it was very, it's a huge place. But see, I was thinking, I was telling my wife, I was going, man, can you imagine how much blood there's going to be on this place? But it's going to be true. See, God will demonstrate his wrath also when he, when he, uh, Releases the six plagues according to uh, Revelations 15. He also will demonstrate his wrath when he pours out the six cups according to Revelations 16. And let's look at Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15. And look at what it says. And I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And look at this. And I saw the dead, small and great. That doesn't mean stature or anything. It means rich and poor. Small and great, standing before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, in which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to the works, their works, 
by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This, this is the second death. Which one is the first death? Hmm? Which one is the first death? Is it when I die? No. See, the first death was in the separation of God when we were no longer innocent. Do you remember your first lie? Do you remember your first evil doing when you were growing up? Because we were all born innocent. We were alive. But as soon as we practiced sin, we died. We became in distance with God. That's our first death. The second death, it's the eternal separation of man and God. That is the second death. See, we, we try, we see that death, physical death, it, 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 we call it death, but it's not really death. To God, you know, we are only sleeping. And when the trumpet sounds, we will all be awakened. One of us, some people will be to enter into the kingdom of God, and some people will be awakened to face eternal damnation. But we will be sleeping. So according to God, the first death, it's when you separate from him being alive. The second death is the eternal separation in which you can never come back from. And that's something that we need to know, that the wrath of God leads us to eternal separation from him. Let us look into Matthew 25, 41. Then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into the everlasting fire, prepared for the evil, for the devil and his what? And his angels. See, the lake of fire was not made for mankind. The lake of fire was not made for you and me. That was never in God's plan for us to be cast in the lake of fire. It was meant for the devil and his angels. But how come mankind or some people will go to the lake of fire? It's because they never gave their life to Jesus. They were never washed in the blood of the Lamb. They never had their sins forgiven. For the, whoever doesn't ask for forgiveness, God cannot forgive. Many people say, well, what's the sin that God doesn't forgive? And that goes very easy. The, God that will, the sin that God will not forgive is the sin that you don't ask for forgiveness. Because it's God, he loves you so much. It's like your little boy, brother, like your little boy. He does something wrong, but then you look in his face and he tells, Daddy, I'm sorry. Your heart melts. And you forgive him. That's the way God is with us, this human race. No matter what we've done, sure, there's a wrath. It's prepared for those that disobeyed. It's prepared for the devil and his angels. But it's never meant for humans to go into the lake of fire. That's only meant for the devil. 
But why are people going to go there? It's because they refuse to have salvation. They refuse to ask for forgiveness. They refuse to have any contact with God. They refuse to have any relationship with God. And that's why the wrath of God comes into the sons of disobedience. Let us also look in Matthew 24, 10 and 13. And then many people will be offended. will betray one another and will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. See, for that Christian, for that person that already has salvation, we must continue. We must not give up. We must go forward. And for that person that is not saved, it is ask, look for your creator. Ask for forgiveness and be saved because of lawlessness will abound the love of many will grow cold I was telling the Spanish congregation I was uh, listening to the news city of industry there's some people that put the, their daughter in the, in the luggage bag and threw it, threw it away over here by the South Bay there was another couple that as soon as their, their, the little boy was born, they threw it in the, some trash and they threw it to the dump. See, love is growing so cold that even mothers and fathers are doing bad to their own family, their own loved ones. And that's why the wrath of God is coming down. But there's a way out. There's a way out according to John 10, 27 and 28. There's a way out. I must be saved. But it says here, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Watch this. And I give them what? Eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. I want to be his sheep. I want to have salvation. If, if I'm in sin, I want to ask for forgiveness as soon as I can. Because I need his salvation. I need his forgiveness because I want to be one of them, one of his sheep because I will never perish. I will have everlasting life. I will be with him for all eternity because I will be living in eternity, eternal life. And it all depends on my decision. Where will I go in my eternal life? After my body dies. Where were my soul spent eternity? Is it going to be in the presence of God? Or is it going to be in the lake of fire? But remember, God didn't set up the lake of fire for us. That's why he provided himself. He came into, he made himself flesh and came and suffered for us, for our sins. He atoned for us. What is atonement? Atoning means appeasement. See, the wrath of God was with us when we were disobedient, when we were in sin. But the sacrifice that Jesus made in the cross became the appeasement, the atonement of his wrath. Now I am no longer a child of wrath, 
Now I am eternal being that I will live forever for him. And I will have eternal life in him. Please stand with me. According to God, man's greatest need is not food. It's not physical. It's not material. Man's greatest need, it's salvation. Because that's where our soul, our soul is going to be determined where it's going to go. Where are you going to go? Where are you planning to go, brother, sister? Where are you planning to go? To, to those that are saved, we must continue. We cannot give up. To those that God has already has saved, we must continue in this fight because our body wants to go astray. Our body, our flesh, it wants to go just anywhere. But see, my spirit has, has to overcome my flesh. My spirit needs to tell my flesh what to do, not my flesh tell my spirit. The great question is, where would I be in eternity? Will I be with God or would I be in another place where that place really wasn't made for me? Let us bow your head. I want you to think. I want you to ask yourself. See, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. That's the love that Jesus has for you. Don't reject that love. Don't reject that salvation. If you are not saved, I'm going to ask you to come. Come forth. I just want to pray with you. We want to pray with you. That God can help you make that decision. If you are not saved, come forward. Nobody's going to judge you. We are no one to judge. We just want to pray with you. We just want to ask God to bless you, to bless your life, to bless your family, to bless your household. That's all we want to do. We want to ask God to help you make that decision. And if you already saved and you're struggling, come forth. We want to ask God to give you the strength to carry on. If you're struggling, if, if, if you're saved but you're struggling, and, and I know it's hard. I know it's hard. And I tell you, see, I've been attacked before also. I was telling the Spanish congregation this last week before the leaders retreat, I was feeling, I was feeling very tired. I would go to work very tired. I would get off work very tired. And I would come home very tired. And, and sometimes I didn't know, you know, how I, I got home driving. And, and, and I was telling my pastor, and I told my wife also, I go, you know what? Satan just attacked my mind. I told him I was, I was so tired. I was thinking, how can I rest? How can I rest? I feel so tired. I was doing so many things, and, and I just felt tired. And, and out of the blue, out of the blue, Satan just, just put this, this, this thing in my mind. He goes, if you take a gun and kill yourself, you're going you're gonna to rest. That's what he did. 
And I started to contemplate it in my mind as I was driving. I go, that's very true. But then I had to snap out. I go, no, that is not the answer. God gave me the answer. Come to me, all you have that are weary and worked, and I will make you rest. I had to bow my head. I had to tell God, Lord, forgive me. That I even contemplated that, that thing that the devil put in my mind. When I have you, the devil's a deceiver. But see, God wants to give us everlasting life. Let us bow our heads and pray. If you can raise up your hands with me. If you're struggling, ask the Lord to give you strength. Ask the Lord to help you. See, everybody goes through different things. Everybody goes through hard times. Everybody feels, everybody feels like Nobody hears them and they feel left out. But see, God wants to give you his love. God wants to give you his love. God wants to give you his love. Ask him. If you need forgiveness of your sins, if you need salvation, tell him, Lord, forgive my sins. Forgive my sins, Lord. I want your salvation. I don't want to go through your wrath, Lord. And if you're already saved and you're struggling, tell me, Lord, give me the strength. I cannot do it on my own, Lord. I cannot do it on my own. I give you my I cannot do it on my own. Please, Lord, help me. Tell him, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy, God. Have mercy. Lord, I Let your mercy cover me. Let your mercy cover me, God. Look at my situation, Lord.
So oh.